Welcome to the WorkSmart podcast channel. In this podcast, Anthony Egan of WorkSmart discusses with complaint-handling consultants Caroline Wells and Sarah Lawrence how regulated firms can meet the challenge of ever-rising customer expectations. They also review the poll results of WorkSmart's most recent webinar. Alexa, how can we handle complaints better in 2020? So let's get to it. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Caroline, for joining us on this WorkSmart webinar. We had some really interesting polling results. I mean, it'd be great just to get your views on some of these that we covered off. The first polling question was, which one of the following areas caused you the greatest concern in relation to managing complaints within your organisation? And we had 43% of our attendees say that undertaking root cause analysis on completed complaints and applying lessons learned. What are your thoughts on that? Maybe start with you, Sarah. I'll be honest, it wasn't a surprise because obviously root cause analysis, I think, causes businesses a bit of an issue in terms of they know it's got a ticker box for the FCA, but how do they then use it to their their own advantage? And I I get the impression sometimes that businesses are a bit like, oh, I'm not sure where to go with it. But I really think that if businesses sort of took a step back and think, well, what are our measurables? What is, what does good look like to us? What how can we identify if there's a systemic or a habitual problem just by looking at our own data? And you will learn so much more than trying to learn, I think, from the ombudsman, yeah. for example, because consistency, I think one of the questions asked about consistency later on, consistency is a real problem because every single complaint is different, regardless of what the subject matter is about, is the impact you're looking at for the individual. So... I, I wasn't surprised to see root cause analysis in there, if I'm honest with you. Caroline, what were your thoughts on that result? Yeah, very similar in that I wasn't surprised to see it. I suppose it was really interesting that almost half of the, the people who voted, though, are struggling with it. For the same reasons I think that Sarah was talking about there, just, you know, the actual sort of the act of getting root cause analysis and also how timely it can be. There's nothing worse than waiting for some information to come back to give you a sense of whether this is a key theme or not that you need to address. And it takes so long for it to come back that you've kind of either lost interest or the world has moved on. And that's one of the issues with root cause analysis and sometimes looking for external bodies to kind of give you the answer when, to be frank, normally the answer lies within your own business with the information that you've already got. And I think some of the the, the kind of complications around um, root cause analysis is knowing which which one you go for. Are you you looking at what the customer tells you is wrong or are you looking at at what your investigation has uncovered has gone wrong? Those two things aren't necessarily the same thing. So how do you allow for both of those? Because they could both in their own right be correct. But you don't discount something which might give you a, a sense that underlying all of that, there's just something going on that you can't really put your finger on, but you need to do a little bit more digging about. So I completely get why root cause analysis causes a headache for people. It has always been this way. And I think mm. the fact that the SDA have put a much greater responsibility and focus on this is, is really kind of bringing to the forefront how difficult good root cause analysis can be to do. And then what you do, and most importantly, what you do off the back of it. That's the most key thing. That's it, isn't it? It's 20 years it's been around and still not nailed it. I think it, there's something in that. I think it's, it's going looking for the right measurables. And yeah. I, think, I don't think we've nailed it yet. 
And Sarah, you, uh, you touched on uh, this. The, the second place results were maintaining consistency of approach in how you treat complainants. So that was followed by uh, 22% of the people thought that was a cause. Again, it'd be great to get your views on that. It's like I said in the webinar, consistency is very hard to nail. Even the ombudsman itself, the criticism levelled at it is you're not consistent. And I think the problem is, again, it comes back to measurables. How do you measure consistency? The FCA is sort of talking about these three KPIs, you know, the feedback, the outcome, the redress, but we've been doing it largely the same way for 20-odd years and we're still not nailing that consistency. So, Caroline and myself, we look more at the actual individual impact of that customer. The consistency comes through there. Yeah. The, you know, the, you, you're actually solving that problem for that person that comes through then in the feedback that you get from that customer. Okay, the, the next question we had was, how do you think the introduction of the tier one conduct rules to the majority of staff in all financial services firms will support the drive to improve culture and conduct within financial services? And looking at our responses, we had an overwhelming 53% of people saying it will help, but only if the organization where the tone from the top is set appropriately. So, and that's something we've seen, uh, I've seen time and time again, going out and doing reviews at firms where they are saying they, they provide all this data. There's some good data in terms of management information, good root cause analysis, good learning opportunities, but it doesn't get implemented and it has to be implemented from the top. So yeah. is that your experience? Yeah, again, it's that board on board thing, isn't it? It's making sure everyone um, knows what they're doing. It's it's really coming down to what the FCA is pushing, isn't it? The cultural change again, I think. Yeah. It's hard to know where SMCR obviously has been rolled out to everyone. I think it is going to change things, but I think it is going to be a slow process. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a question of making sure it's sort of coming top down, basically, and hitting the people at the bottom doing the work and translating it into what that looks like at the coalface. Do you wonder if people haven't quite got their heads around yet what SM&CR really means to them? Well, what struck me is I wonder if you, if you spoke to the people that are covered under Tier 1, would they know that that applies to them? That's a good question, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. And what's in their gift to do, if, even if they are? That, I suppose that's the, the, the kind of... The question back, isn't it? It'd be one of those things that probably quietly sits in the background, but actually is a thing that the FCA will will use quite rightly when they're looking at the conduct of businesses and whether it's operating in the right way. I mean, my fear is that it might it might kind of ambush some businesses who aren't prepared actually for what it really means for them mm. across their working business, across all aspects of their business. It's not just one thing, is it? Obviously, the banks were hit by SMCR initially and then insurers, and we are starting to get that sort of trickle effect now where, and this is what the FCA have been driving along all the, all the time, it is that cultural change. And they're saying culture is going to be the, the key thing, and that has to come from the top. So maybe we'll see some changes sort of trickling down in terms of complaint handling. Like I say, the person responsible for complaints, who is a senior executive, is taking a lot more interest in uh, what complaints are being done, what's been done within the firm in terms of resolutions, are there any learning opportunities, and them taking that message to the board and, and saying we really need to sort of drive this through. Poll in question three. So on a scale of one to five, one was not confident and five was highly confident. What is your level of confidence in demonstrating that the current complaints processes uh, are improving outcomes for customers? 
This was interesting, actually, because 57% of people said they were somewhat confident and 12% were highly confident. So, yeah, I suppose amongst the, the majority of the people on that, um, that webinar, they were confident that they are doing the right things. And, and as I sort of responded to in my, my answer, from what I've seen, firms want to do the right thing. Uh, they appreciate that good complaint handling has got many more benefits other than just ticking the regulatory aspect. And um, however, it's not for every maybe sector and every industry. And there are obviously other firms that um, still have got the wrong culture and they're not appreciating the value of complaints. Is that your view when you go out and speak to different firms? Do you know, it's funny, I think Phil said in the webinar, he sort of said, what's it like behind closed doors? My experience, and I didn't say this in the webinar, I wish I had, but my experience is very different. I think there is a culture at the moment of a little bit of, I've got to hide what's actually going on, not being honest. And I think that that's a trickle down from the FCA and and possibly the the ombudsman as well. When I've gone into businesses, uh, there is no confidence. It's, is this the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? Uh, What are other businesses doing? And because people aren't, businesses aren't sharing, you don't get that that shared knowledge. You, you're kind mm. of doing your own thing and hoping for the best a little bit, I think. Yeah. So when we go in as consultants, you know, and you say, well, yeah, you could do that, but what about this? It's like, oh, and it's like a light bulb moment. So I was, you know, some people said somewhat confident, so I think that's maybe hedging their bets a little oh, bit. Oh. You know what I mean? Sort of thinking, we think we're doing the right yes. thing, but we're not entirely sure. We're doing our best, which I, I entirely accept businesses are doing their best, but because we have this culture where we don't share and we don't sort of put our hands up and say, no, actually, I'm not sure, it doesn't manifest as a good culture of sharing. I think my sense is, so I'm, I'm more on Sarah's kind of like experience. It never ceases to amaze me how many businesses think they're doing the right thing and actually there is always the opportunity to do things slightly differently or, or do it better than, than it's been done before because we are essentially all creatures of habit and we get used to things quite quickly. And we haven't had a big shake-up in the complaint handling rules as we, we kept talking about for like over 20-odd years. Mm-hmm. So it's like a very comfy pair of slippers that we've got very attached to. But that, you know, familiarity does breed content, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I think we are potentially at a danger of thinking that we're doing better than we are. We don't... I mentioned this earlier in the webinar about the, the big gap between how good customers think we are at handling complaints and how good we think we are. And there's a big gap. It's not a small gap. It's a big gap between the two research has shown. So something's not going quite right. So we, I think we need to bear that in mind when we think about how good we, we might be. And we definitely need to keep up to date with what customer expectation is. Going back mm. to Sarah's point about customer experience, because that's a significant thing that's been missing from complaint handling. I think forever, really. Mm. So you mentioned about uh, firms not really speaking to other firms and the sharing of sort of that information. And how would you address that in in the marketplace? It's very difficult because it's been 20 years in the making and we are where we are. I hate that phrase, but we are. Um, It's kind of businesses aren't encouraged to look at best practice across the industry. So you might, we, we often go around to forums and networking and it's all very cagey. It's all very, oh, you know, we don't really talk about what's gone wrong. We talk about, oh, look, look what's going right. And the perceptions that we are working on are clearly not right. So I think we need to start as an industry talking about what potentially is 
is not going so well. And then we can see that cultural shift because you haven't got businesses feeling that they can't share. And that's going to, that's a big piece of work, let's face it. I think what was interesting from, uh, and I know both you and, and Caroline attended our, our user group last year mm-hmm. and ran one of the workshops. And uh, a lot of the feedback we got from that workshop was that that was an opportunity for lots of different companies in the room to look at what outcomes they arrived at and whether that was in line with what your <laughs> expectation was. And, and I think that is an example of actually where maybe it was probably the first opportunity some of those firms have had to share what their approach would have been with other people, other colleagues and peers in the industry. So we, we got an overwhelming uh, response that we, they'd like to do that again more regularly. Well, I mean, for people listening to this that didn't, didn't attend, we did, we did something called speed dating for complaint handling, <laughs> which it's, quite, it's just quite lighthearted. It's got a serious message, but I think the problem with complaints handling is we take ourselves very, very seriously. That's, that's the nature of the beast. And I think with doing it in that way and sort of making it lighthearted, did enable people to open up and go, oh, you know, what did you get? What did you do? And it, it enabled that conversation. So That wraps up all the, the polling questions. So, uh, again, thank you very much uh, to both you and Caroline. Thanks for listening to this WorkSmart podcast. To learn how WorkSmart's intuitive complaint software, CareSmart, can help it make it easier to capture, manage, track, communicate and report on complaints across your entire business network, please visit worksmart.co.uk.